Wow, thank you. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome. Take a seat. Thank you, Pastor Chris, Pastor Michelle. 26 faithful years they have been leading us as a congregation. So humbled. Yes, Pastor Zach, Pastor Josh Whitehead, 19 years Pastor Josh has helped Pastor Chris and Michelle lead us. It's an amazing privilege to be here. If you are new, if you're visiting us for the first time, welcome. I know we have a few new friends, Steve and Janet, welcome. I look forward to meeting you. We are so glad you are here. Promisers, can I ask you a question? Do you remember your first time stepping into a space like this? An experience, maybe, maybe there was a few, maybe there was a few hundred, maybe even a few thousand. Well, I remember my first experience Southwest Detroit, stepping into a church named Messiah, a church built in the late 1800s, stained glass window as high as I could see, an old organ with large pipes. It was amazing. I was awestruck. And that's exactly the name of our new series. We're kicking off this week, week one, our series, Awestruck. And man, we are so glad you are here. I'm gonna give you a question to hold on to, to wrestle with as we begin our day together today. And the question is this, what is it, what is the state of your worship? What is the worship that you are demonstrating for the next generation? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this time God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in a place where we can freely profess our love for you. God, we pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to your word in a brand new way. Not let a single person leave this time unchanged by your spirit. We pray in your son's blessed name, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, hey, happy 4th of July, Faith Promise. So glad you're here. If you're tuned in online, welcome. My name is Steve Kerr, and I have the privilege of being on staff here as one of your student pastors. And man, I can't tell you how much I love being part of this family. You know, it wasn't too long ago, actually just about three years, that my beautiful bride, Marcy, myself and our two boys, Israel and Nathaniel, we packed up our car and moved from Metro Detroit down here to Knoxville. And what a blessing it has been. As I got ready to step out here this morning, I was reminded by my brother Jamie that this is now home. And I'm so grateful for his reminder because we love you all so, so very much. But because of the 4th of July, I'm also reminded uh, every year about this time, some significant differences of what it's like up north as to uh, down here in Knoxville. Uh, and one of them happens to be with the fireworks uh, that we partake in. You see up north, we like to uh, call them firecrackers. They make little bits of noises and maybe sparkle a few things. Down here, you all enjoy shaking the earth. You like to see the mountains move and light up the sky, and it is awesome. It is really awesome, man. What an amazing privilege it is to raise our family here in Knoxville. What a privilege and honor it is to lead this time as we look at worship. And what is worship? You see, we know that worship is so much more than singing. But there was a study done uh, by the University of Oxford 
that told us that there was a little more than singing and, um, and celebration that brought people together like worship like singing, right? Singing has this ability to draw us together. And that's why I'm so, uh, again, honored to be able to take this time to wrestle with this. Because do you realize right now, Faith Promise, that across the county, across Knoxville County, Knox County, and across the state of Tennessee, there are multiple campuses that are joined in what I like to call a united state of worship, under the banner of faith promise. What an amazing privilege that is. And that's why I'm so honored, but it's not the only reason. You see, there's another reason, and it's because I believe that corporate worship, that unified worship is the blessing that our country so desperately needs right now. Right now. Worship has the ability to bring us together. Just like I said, there was a study done at the University of Oxford that said that people are, are, can be drawn together so fast and stronger uh, with no other activity like singing. Now, again, we know that worship is so much more than that, but what an amazing expression and time for us to gather. Now, I want to do something real quick. We want to step back in time, all the way back in the Old Testament, and we want to take a look at the day of Moses in the Old Testament. A little bit of context for you. You see, God had just rescued the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, and Egypt was a hard land. And not just because they were slaves, not just because the Israelites were slaves, but because the irrigation in Israel would have been very difficult. You see, water would have had to have been brought in from the Nile. And this affected both the quality and the amount of water that they could bring. You see, it was a struggle. But God showed up and changed their circumstances. He rescued them. He freed them from captivity. He freed them from this hardship, this struggle that they were dealing with as a people. And so he's rescued them. Now they're in the land of milk and honey. A land where the rain and pure water, every bit of that, what they need comes. It literally and figuratively flows from heaven. I'm going to read for you a passage out of the book of Deuteronomy if you have your Bible. I want to invite you to open it up. We're going to jump to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Read in verses 13 and 15. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites and giving them instruction, giving them a command about worship. Verse 11, he says, if you carefully obey the commands I am giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send the rains in their proper seasons, the early and late rains, so you can bring in your harvest and grain, new wine and olive oil. He will give you lush pastured land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all you want to eat. You see, what Moses is telling the Israelites is the same thing that I believe God would have us know now. You see, God's not looking for a pledge of allegiance. He's not looking for your hand over your heart. What God's looking for is a place of obedience. He's looking for his hand on your heart. Moses is saying, hey, everybody, let's not, forgot, let's not forget who brought us out of 
our captivity. Let's not forget about what God has done. Let's not let the good times flow without remembering the one who makes it rains, rain and provides everything that we need. Faith Promise, can we agree this morning, today, this weekend, this 4th of July holiday that our children, our families, our neighbors, our community, our city, our state, our country need to know of the goodness of God. Our country needs to know that there is a God who loves them, a God of provision, Jehovah Jireh. They need to know who God is. You see, as a student pastor, I get the privilege of leading the next generation, literally. And to lead them, you need to know them. You see, Generation Z is the first post-Christendom generation that our country has ever known. If you're not sure what that means, being post-Christian, let me just tell you in simplicity. They are the first generation where the Christian values, the values of our faith, are not the pillars of their life. This is the first generation in our country's history where that is true. According to a Pew Research, one in three Gen Zers self-identify as not religious at all. That means they attend no corporate gathering, no intentional gathering of the saints. There is no collective worship. They identify themselves as not religious at all. I know what that feels like. You wanna tell them what's wrong. You wanna tell them that's wrong. But can I ask you a question? Did that work for you? Do you remember your parents telling you how goofy you looked in those bell-bottom jeans? Huh? How, how, how uh, disco was just a fad and it would pass? Do you remember that? The early 90s? Do you remember the, your parents' generation laughing and poking at you about how silly you looked or sounded? Your interpretation of love, what that looked like? Listen, telling a generation what is wrong with them has never worked and it won't work now. But there's hope. Demonstrating for them, modeling for them what practical worship of God, the living God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the triune Father, that can change a generation. We can model for them. In this room, we have parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, principals, friends. Can I tell you a hard truth? A lifestyle of worship is a declaration of belief. A lifestyle of worship is a declaration of belief. At Faith Promise, we believe that worship is an expression of joy. Psalms 47.1 says, come, everyone, clap your hands and shout to God with joyful praise. Did you know that same study from Oxford told us that the quality of sound, how good your voice is, or how in rhythm your clap is, has little to nothing to do with the amount of joy that you experience when you sing which is wonderful because faith promise, I'm good at a lot of things, but singing's not one of them. 
So much so that my wife pleaded with me to not get up here and demonstrate for you the first song I ever learned. Sorry, Marcy, I gotta do it. <laughs> Be kind one and to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Do, 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 do. Hey, Ephesians 4.32. Yes. That's worship, right? That's worship. It produces that joy. It's not about being in tune. It's not about clapping our hands. Why do we do that? Why do we lift our hands and open up, or lift up our arms and open our hands to express, to express to give God the reverence that he so deserves? God has done some amazing things in my life. He's doing amazing things in your life right now. You listen, some of us, some of us here this weekend tuned in online, let's be honest, you're looking for a way out. You're looking for something. You've tried everything the world has to offer. You've tried the pursuit of happiness You've tried marriage and having children. You've tried finding success in the way of the world of getting a good education and job. And yet, for some reason, you still experience feeling like a prisoner, overwhelmed with grief. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas demonstrate for us how powerful worship can be in these moments when we feel the weight of our circumstances crushing us. Acts 16, 25 says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Now, can you imagine that? Time out, pause. Can you imagine that as another prisoner? You're in prison, and this isn't, this isn't prison in the 21st century. This is prison back in the day, right? Like three hots and a cot. That was not part of what they were experiencing. They were real prisoners. They would go weeks and months and years without seeing the sunlight. Water was a privilege. It wasn't, it wasn't a guarantee. And these prisoners are watching these two men Sing and pray hymns of this glorious God. We continue reading. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors flew open immediately and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Did you just catch that? You see, it took just two men to free all of the prisoners in that prison Two men who were willing to express true God-honoring worship. Yes, earthquakes were known to have happened back then. It was, it's, it's a scientific fact, but an earthquake that would have caused the prison to collapse and not take a single life was nothing short of a miracle. Is there someone here this morning? Is there someone tuned in today? that needs a miracle? Are you looking for something real? Does it feel like the roof is caving in, like the walls are closing in on you, like you're chained up and fenced in? Do you need to be set free? Well, let me tell you, now is the perfect time. 
Now is the perfect time for you to worship the real living God. It's the perfect time for you to worship. You might say, Steve, but that sounds so weird. How can that be true? You don't understand my circumstances. You don't know that my marriage is getting ready to end. You don't know that my son is addicted to a horrible drug. You don't know about the financial debt that's about to collapse my family. No, I don't, but he does. And he's there, he's present. And that's what happens when we offer God our worship. Something inside of us changes. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. They'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's research that also tells us that one of the things Generation Z is most concerned about as believers is sharing their faith. You see, Generation Z, they believe that it's offensive to tell others what they believe to be true about Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask you a rhetorical question. How, how does that make you feel? Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandparent, how does that make you feel knowing that your grandchild, that your son, your daughter, your little brother or sister feels fearful that they might offend someone with their faith? Let me ask you another question. What is your worship saying to them? What is your public worship saying to your son or daughter? You see, an unwillingness to worship publicly says a lot about who Jesus is to us privately. And if we want Generation Z and we want the generation following them, Alpha, they've already been given a name. If we want them to know the real living God and we want them to tell others, then we have to demonstrate with our arms up and our hands wide open the goodness of our Father. First Chronicles 16, 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, bring a tithe and come before him, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Maybe you've tried everything else. Can I invite you to try worshiping the living God? So I wanna end my time with us this morning, today, this afternoon, whenever it is you're watching, asking you the same question we began our time with. What is the state of your worship? Is there something holding you back? You see, right on the other side of whatever it is that's holding you back is God's faithful promise. New revelation, new blessing for your life. Would you be bold? Would you stand with me right now and be bold as we get ready to worship God together. In a minute, what's gonna happen is our worship team's gonna come out. Go ahead and stand up. The worship team's gonna come out and lead us again in a time of worship. And what you'll see around the room, there are worship stations, a place where you can take communion, light a candle, a proclamation of faith, a demonstration of worship. We'll also have people uh, from our prayer team in front of the room. If you are battling or wrestling with something, 
that's causing you to not go all in on God, would you please step into a prayer moment with them? Don't miss out on what it is God wants to do in your life because you feel uncomfortable with public worship. See, what God has for you is so much greater than what you presume to be silliness. So much greater. Let's pray together right now. Father God, we again just come before you confessing that we've allowed our selfishness, our ego, our pride, our flesh to get in the way of true corporate worship, God. But we believe, we proclaim right now as a body, God, that we will be the demonstration our state needs. We will be the demonstration our country needs of what it looks like to actively worship a living God. We love you. We surrender to you in your mighty name, Jesus Christ, amen.